This is the spirit of leading. Where we delve into the heart and soul of everyday leadership. Because a better world begins with each and every one of us making leadership real to our family, our workplace, and our community. The world needs you to be empowered to lead. Someone who can and will make a difference. So let's get started. Are you ready for a reality check? When someone says, get real, what do they mean by that? And how will getting real with yourself make you better equipped to lead your family, your workplace, and your community toward a better quality of life? I'm Garland McWaters, and welcome to The Spirit of Leading. In this episode, we're going to get real. And by that, I mean being honest with ourselves about the realities of life and not to be deluded by some fantasy version of the way we would like for a situation to be. First of all, I guess we need to get real about what's going on with our self-esteem. Our need for high self-esteem can keep us from getting real about ourselves, actually. It can really lead us to be self-deluded. Here's what I mean by that. We want to feel good about ourselves, so we find some way to elevate ourselves, to feel good about ourselves. We have to have something to compare ourselves to and surpass it. We have to find ways that we are, in a sense, better than the average. And when someone shows us a side of ourselves that isn't quite as good as we'd like for it to be, we look for some way to soften that. We'll either say, well, when you compare me to so-and-so, I'm better than that, or that standard's too high and unrealistic. As it turns out, the only reality that we deal with is the self-delusion. My first vocation was as a minister. So at the fresh age of 22, I was right out of college and I was taking my first church as a sole minister of that small church. And I was actually struggling to find my voice. Now, I always thought I was pretty good at being a minister. I was good at the speaking. I was good at sermonizing. I was good at teaching the classes. And, and so I thought on the whole, I was a pretty good minister, but I was struggling. And one day we had a visiting minister come to spend some time with us. He had actually been a previous minister of that congregation, so he knew everyone very well. And so I engaged him in a little bit of uh, confession, confessing my concerns and my issues. And he listened to me quietly. And then he told me, he said, now, Garland, don't worry about it. There's going to be a place for you somewhere. It's probably not going to be here, but you're going to find it. Now, that's not exactly what I wanted to hear. What I wanted to believe was that I could win them over and that somehow some of the people who were causing me some of the grief were wrong, that they were wrong about me and they were wrong about my abilities and they were and, and I was better than that. I wanted to be better than the average. I wanted to to approve of myself in, uh, some, in some way and feel good about that. I wanted my self-esteem to get a little bit of massage, but, you know, that just wasn't going to happen there, and that probably was the reality. I had to get real, and eventually I did find another place. And also, during that time, I had to finally get real about my own commitment to that vocation. What I realized is it, it just wasn't me. 
it did come easily, but it wasn't me. It wasn't really my personality. In fact, I came to realize it wasn't even exactly my own belief system and my value set and my vision for myself. And so I had to get real and I had to find some other way to feel good about myself. And I felt good about myself when I realized it was time for me to acknowledge the realities of my situation and improve that and move on and do something constructive. Because you see, sometimes getting real involves soul searching. But instead we play this game. We play this sort of mind game of self-esteem where we have to look and compare ourselves to someone. We have to create a standard and then exceed it. And sometimes we create that standard by creating a false standard. We look at the wrong things, we compare ourselves to the wrong things, and we end up really deluding ourselves into our own sense of who we are. In other words, we're not getting real about it. We need to get real about looking at ourselves for who we are and not trying to compare ourselves artificially to a set of standards that really probably don't matter. So here's a couple of truths I've come up with about this, about this getting real thing and about how it relates to our self-esteem. One truth is we are not all the same, as I just said. Secondly, we can learn. We can all still learn and strive to improve, and we should be allowed to do so. I believe that's a fact. And we need to get real about that, that no matter where we are, if we really want to pursue something, we can still and should be able to pursue it to our abilities that, that we think are appropriate for us. In fact, empowering leaders help others to develop what abilities they have to the levels that they want. Who knows what might become of it. So let's look at getting real just for a couple of minutes. And I want to use the word real as an acronym. We're going to look at real in terms of sort of four, four areas. Getting real about relationships, getting real about ethics, getting real about our abilities, and getting real about, real about our life choices. First of all, let's talk about relationships because everything is about relationships. That's absolutely the first tenet within my tenets of an empowering life. Everything is about relationships and that each and every one of us is personally responsible and accountable for the quality of our relationships, not somebody else, but ourselves. And that's something we have to get real about. You can't say, well, that's somebody else's problem. We have to get real and we have to ask ourselves, am I doing my part? What am I contributing to this relationship positively and negatively? Is the problems in the relationship part of my own doing? It can't just be the other. It takes two people usually for a relationship to to go bad or to be great. So we can't blame other people for what happens in a relationship. We have to co-create all our relationships. All relationships are co-created. And empowering leader takes personal accountability for the quality of those relationships. You know, it's easy to dismiss others. It's easy to walk away. It's easy to say that's your fault, that's your problem, that, or you're difficult. You know, the more difficult thing is to hang in there 
and to help a relationship be the best that it can possibly be. It's true in all relationships between individuals and groups and nations that conflict is also always going to come from dysfunction in a relationship. Because the relationship is bad, the conflicts arise. So what can we do about it? First of all, get real about the relationship. Get real about the quality of that relationship and what needs to happen with that relationship to improve it. Secondly, own it. Own up to it and own it. Own up to your responsibility in that relationship and do something about it. Own that. It's not someone else's problem. It's not someone else's need. It's yours. And then thirdly, do what you can to fix it. Maybe it's better communication. Maybe it's apologizing. Maybe it's going to someone and saying, I'm sorry I didn't mean to offend you. It's sorry I didn't intend to. I'm sorry I misunderstood you. Whatever that is. I'm sorry I acted the way I did. I'm sorry I contributed to this. Forgive me, and what can we do to fix it? So let's get real about those relationships. Let's get real about uh, taking care of our responsibility in those relationships. We start doing that right away, and I think a lot of things would be better. And guess what? Your self-esteem is going to go up. Secondly, let's get real about ethics. Ethics is the moral high ground. Ethics is where we go even though law doesn't require it. And it speaks to character. Laws are only a fallback strategy for those who need the boundaries explained. Let me tell you this story. There was a time in my career when I did a lot of stand-up training. I still do this, but I was trained on a lot of subjects. I was engaged to go to a sexual teach sexual harassment in a fire station, in a fire department of all places, because of the changing character and nature of the fire, of the personnel in the fire department. Many more women were coming on and fire fighters were engaging with the women in their community and more directly. So they wanted me to do some sexual harassment training because it was a problem and they were getting some complaints. And so I went into a fire station and I began, you know, presenting this information about sexual harassment and hostile work environment and so place and and I literally got hoots. I got hoots from from some of the firefighters. They hooted me down and they didn't want to listen. So finally I had to say, you know, for some of you you get it and you just do the right thing because you know it's the right thing. But for the rest of you, there are laws and there are consequences to those laws. And that's why I say laws are usually a fallback. We create the law to say, here's the boundary. And we can shift those boundaries legally by changing the law. But it doesn't matter where you set the boundary. What's ethically, what's inappropriate is still inappropriate wherever the boundary is. And that's the truth about ethics. That's getting real about ethics. There is a golden rule. Do no harm or take no unfair advantage of others. That's a rule. That's sort of an ethical uh, limit. That's an ethical standard that we shoot for, but some people want to change the boundaries so that it's okay to do harm. It's okay to take unfair advantage of others because it's not illegal. Immanuel Kant, who is the German philosopher, said, in law a man is guilty when he violates the rights of others. In ethics he is guilty if he only thinks of doing so. Albert Camus, a French Nobel Prize winning author and journalist, said, a man without ethics is a wild beast loosed upon this world. That's something to really think about and get real about. 
If some people just don't have a spirit of goodness within them, they are like a wild beast unloosed because there is nothing to restrain them. And not only do they have no ethical boundaries or, or standards, they have no legal boundaries that they will follow. I mentioned my background in the ministry. You know, Jesus was in a running feud with the legalist of his day who strained at the gnat and swallowed the camel, as he used to say. It was his way of saying, well, they're missing the point. They're missing the point of the laws, which were the deeper ethical principles on which the laws were based. They missed the spirit of the law. Not much has changed sometimes, I believe. So it's time to get real. You just can't get legalistic with your character. It just won't work. A great breach of ethics is using half-truths and misinformation to mislead others into following your particular brand of political or religious thought. I have a problem with that. The truth is there's plenty of room for honest discussion and honest interpretation of facts, but there's no room for intentional misuse of facts or the fabrication of lies presented as facts. None. Period. Here's what I'm real about. Any philosophy, political or religious, that requires or allows the mistreatment of another human being in any way in service of its own tenets is inherently unethical and immoral. I'm going to say that one more time. I believe it so much. we got to get real about this ethically. Any philosophy, whether it's political or religious, or I don't care how you want to characterize it, any philosophy that requires or allows the mistreatment of someone else, some other human being in any way, emotionally, financially, physically, whatever way you mistreat them in any way, for the service of their own tenets, that philosophy is inherently unethical and immoral. And I believe we need to do some soul searching about that. How about abilities? Let's get real about our abilities. As I said, there were, there were two facts earlier that, that we have to get real about. First of all, not everyone has the same mental and physical abilities. No one, not everyone is endowed with the same level of those. And secondly, everyone can learn and improve regardless of their current ability, and they deserve the opportunity to do so. I believe that we need to get morally correct instead of politically correct about this. And here's what, the way I'm going to say this. You know, in keeping with getting real, we have to get past this politically correct notion that being honest with people about their lack of ability or talent in some area somehow automatically dismisses them as human beings. It's okay to tell them that they don't have the natural ability that some others might have there. They are not above average there, but that's not a slam. It's just a reality statement. We do more harm than good when we tell poor performers that they're doing just fine. And I see this all the time in the workplace. We have so eroded some of our goals that we want to tell people they're doing just fine to pump up their self-esteem whenever we would probably do them a better service by saying, listen, here's some areas that need improvement, and I'm here to help you do that. We're going to help you be the best you can be in this skill or this ability and get you in the right place so you can be successful and feel successful about what you're doing and like yourself for it. If we just delude poor performers into thinking they're right all the time and they're not as bad as they think they they really are, we're not doing them any favors. In this case, the little white lie can do long-range emotional damage that could be immoral in my book. 
Sometimes we have to tell people they are not performing, and it's not okay. You know, I try to be honest about myself, and uh, and I know I'm not the best podcaster in the world. I'm not the best editorializer in the world. I'm not the best a lot of things in the world. But you know what? I'm willing to do what I can do. So I put it out there. In a previous podcast, you know, where leaders are made or born, I took a stand that naturally talented leaders still have to work hard to develop a natural gift into a strength. And in the same way, just because we're not naturally gifted in an area doesn't mean that we shouldn't develop that into some kind of an ability. It might be difficult, but not impossible. Determination does go a long way. And I want to tell you a story about this, and then I'll move on to the next point. I have a friend who wanted to go to law school more than anything else. Uh, She had been a paralegal, and she looked around one day and said, you know, I can do this job. I can be a lawyer. She was finishing a a degree in criminal justice at a local university. Well, the problem was she could not score on the LSAT, the entrance exam. She just couldn't get a high enough score. She didn't know what to do, but she had a friend who knew someone, just luckily. And she was able to get an audience before an admission committee for an area law school. It wasn't the one she wanted to go to originally, but she had this connection to this law school. She said, if I can just get in front of the committee, I can get into the program. And so she was able to get an interview, and, and she was allowed to enter law school in a summer probationary program that if she, that she had to take three classes for no credit, and if she passed those classes, she would be allowed into law school on a probationary academic probation, which she did. And as it turned out, she just worked herself ragged for the first year. Out of dogged, sheer dogged determination, she, she passed her courses in flying colors, not the top of the class, but certainly respectably. And she ended up graduating law school in the top third of her class. And she ended up passing the bar on the first try. And now she enjoys her own practice. She didn't make law review. She didn't sit the curve. She wasn't the top of the list, but she is a very competent and a very diligent attorney. You know, she, she tried and she knew what she wanted and she went for it and she made it happen. So here's something I think we can be real about. We, can't, we first of all have to be honest in our abilities, honest in our appraisal. She knew she could do it if she had a chance because she knew she'd work hard. And then we had to choose our areas of development with open eyes to know that if I'm going this route, it's going to be hard. I can't just get up and say, well, there are some other, there are some other reasons I couldn't make it. No, in her case, it was up to her. Her eyes were wide open about that situation, and she worked hard. She wanted this area of development for herself, and she made it happen. And that brings us to number three. She just went for it. Just go for it. And so we can be real and honest about our, our abilities, but sometimes we just mean it's going to have, we're going to have to work harder. We're going to have to do different things in order to be able to perform at the level we want. And then the last area is life choices. First, we always have a choice. That's the thing we have to get real about. We have to get real about our life choices, and we have to always understand that we have a choice. Saying that we don't have a choice is just a cop-out. You know, destiny is the sum total of choices that we have made that have got us to where we are at this particular moment. J.K. Rowling, an author, reminds us, you know, it's our choices that show we are who we truly are far more than just our abilities. One of the tenets of my empowered living is that everyone is personally accountable. How you live your life is your choice, and you're responsible for it. We have to live mindfully in the present, and it doesn't matter, you know, what's gone before. Those might 
have caused our life to be at a certain place. And it could have been tough. It could have been hard. It could have been unfair. It could have been inappropriate. But yet here we are. Uh, This is where we are now. What's next? Let's get on with it. And so we can make choices and we can be mindfully in the present. We can be honest and real about those. But one of the things we have to be real about is that we have choices and we have to take affirmative action now. Choices have consequences. That's something to get real about. You know, in my life, I've made some really bad choices. I've made some awful choices, and I've made some good choices. And people say, you know, I didn't have a choice. They just made one. That's what amuses me about that that comment when people say, well, I don't have a choice. Well, they just made one. They made the choice to choose to make an excuse. That was a choice. They chose to excuse themselves by saying they didn't have a choice, and they just made a choice. You know, I chose at the time to take a course of action that seemed to be the least painful. I chose to take a course of action to get myself out of a tight spot. I chose a course of action to be the most opportunistic for me. Those are all choices, and a lot of times that's what we're really doing when we say we don't have a choice. We take the easy way out, and I've done that a few times, and I still search my soul over some of those choices. You know, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. We do or we don't do. We make it happen or we don't make it happen. Uh, Those are realities. We need to get real about how hard we tried or how much we believed in ourselves or we put our, did we put ourselves in that position to succeed. In our life choices, we have to put ourselves in the best possible position to go to the next, to go to the next thing. That's what golfers do. They don't always go for the green, but they go for the next possible good place to be to get the best possible result on any particular hole that they're playing. Goals and expectations are about that. We might not be able to foresee all the steps, but we can step out onto the journey. Someone gave me an illustration one time about the headlights on a car. And they said, you know, you can actually drive hundreds of miles. You can drive coast to coast in the dark and see only a few hundred feet in front of you. The lights shine where you want to go, not where you've already been. The lights shine where you want to go. Everything else might be in the dark, but you know where you're going, and there's a light shining on it, and you go to that place. That's getting real about life choices. I make the choice to go to the places that are the important places for me to go, and I go there. What is within your personal space, what is within your reach, is your choice. You decide what comes into it. You decide what comes into your personal space, and we have to get real about that. We say, I don't have a choice. Uh Uh-uh, we have choices. Our friends are choices. We, sometimes we have to decide what friends we're going to bring into our personal space and what people we're going to keep out of our personal space. We have to get real about those choices. Habits are within our personal space. Everything that I bring into my life, and I put it in my mouth, I, I bring it into my line of sight, I put it into my ears and in my head, all of those contribute to habits. And the best way to stop a bad habit is to replace it with a new one. I can bring a new habit into my personal space and eventually drive out the bad habit incrementally, day by day, the cumulative effect of the good habit. What's real is that we choose what we will eat or consume. No one force feeds you. I never saw anybody force feed someone whose health goes bad because of what they've eaten. A lot of what's happening today in terms of chronic diseases are lifestyle choices. We choose to eat and drink what we eat and drink. We can make better choices. Let's get real about that. We choose to get off the couch and go run or to exercise, or we choose to sit on the couch and eat junk food. We choose those things. We choose the activities that we will do each and every day. We make a choice about how we use our time. There's no such thing as time management. It's all personal management. 
It's all self-management with respect to time. We just need to get real about some of those choices we make and the way we use our time. It's all up to us. And our attitude, also a life choice. We decide what attitude we're going to have about life. You can take people who have in the worst possible situation. Can you imagine yourself naked, working in the cold, and uh, facing death every day? Well, that's what uh, Austri Austrian neurologist Viktor Frankl did when he was uh, a young man. He was a Jew who had survived the German concentration camps of World War II, and he wrote about his experience. He said, we who lived in the concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offered sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. I read that and visualized that situation, and it just spoke to me because, you know, I can always choose my attitude about something. We choose. We choose. And that's real. Soren Kierkegaard said, Life is not a problem to be solved, but a reality to be experienced. We need to get real about our life experience. The empowered are realists as well as dreamers. You know, we have a healthy balance between the head in the clouds and the feet on the ground. The empowered enlarge their expectations of living in real ways, and they go beyond just wishful thinking to taking the incremental daily steps grounded in their current reality. You know, I found a good measure of peace of mind in confronting my own realities. Music legend Jim Morrison of The Doors said, the most important kind of freedom is to be what you really are. You trade in your reality for a role. You give up your ability to feel and in exchange put on a mask. No, we want to be who we really are. In reality, life happens and then we do something about it. So isn't it time we got real? That we got real about a lot of things in our lives, not to be self-deluded, but to move forward with assurance that we really are taking life in a real sense for what it is and making our choices that we can make our relationships better and take responsibility for them, that we can live high ethical lives of high ethical value, that we can be real about our abilities and grow in, in that reality and, be, and love ourselves in that reality of knowing we're doing better even with an imperfect, imperfect abilities. We can grow from that and we can be real about our esteem. It's better to be real about who we are than to be self-deluded about something that we're just trying to cope with. We can get real about our abilities, and I think we ought to do that more. And we need to get real about our life choices to realize that we do have choices and we can make differences, and the choices we make will make a difference. So I want to thank you for making the choice to listen through to this podcast. I hope you found something of real value to you, that in getting real, we can actually elevate our self-esteem and make the world a better place. Don't miss out on future episodes. We'll learn how to be a leader together. We'll learn that we can and will make a difference. You can subscribe to my blog at empoweredtolead.com, and you'll get notifications in your email when a new podcast is available. Or you can listen and subscribe on iTunes Podcasts and on Stitcher. So I encourage you to go forth in the spirit of leading, to live each and every day by encouraging the spirit, by enlivening the heart, enlightening the mind, and enlarging the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters. 
And in the spirit of leading, I encourage each and every one of you to get real and to live empowered.